Hello, this is Mark Manns, I'm at the QSO VSO 50th anniversary event at UBC, and I'm sitting here with Catherine Hemblick. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Um, to start us off, uh, Catherine, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your involvement with QSO or VSO. Uh, where did you go? What did you do? Those sorts of things. I went to eastern Nigeria to a secondary school, which was set way deep in the farmland of eastern Nigeria. Um, and I was a science teacher. And I also taught French in the community to other teachers. Okay. Right. And when did you go to Nigeria? I went in 1964 and I came back in early 1967. So three years or almost three years? Almost three years. Okay. Um, how did you originally get involved with QSO VSO? What drew you into the position? What drew you to, to volunteer? A grade five teacher yeah. who went to Sarawak and uh, was so enthused about it and drew all his students. He went after, he was my grade five teacher, but he drew so many of his students back to tell them you know, slideshows, fundraisers, and all that. Yeah. And I just thought, what a wonderful thing to do. And when I finished at UBC, I had the option of working with one of my profs in bacteriology, which would have meant that I lived my life in a lab, or go somewhere more adventurous and do something that I thought would be more interesting. So what were you studying at, at UBC? Bacteriology and biochemistry with a, with a minor in French. Okay. So you headed off and took off to Nigeria, young woman. What was uh, what was your experience there like? <laughs> well, we. Can you, I had can you asked. Think about this. Can you remember the first thing that you felt or, or yes, imagined when you when you arrived? Getting off the plane and it was like stepping into a shower. Yeah. It, the humidity. And the smells, yeah. uh, just amazing. Um, and uh, we we landed in Lagos, and then were driven to Inugu, mm -hmm. the capital of the eastern region. No, we flew up to Inugu. We flew to Inugu, and then we drove from there. We, we had an orientation and met all the politicians, etc., the bigwigs, and then we were driven down to our school, which was probably four or five hours drive. And uh, we had a driver, and there were two of us who were going to the same school in the car. And the first thing that happened was that we hit a dog on the road, and I was distraught. The car didn't stop. The driver didn't stop. Was uh, welcome to yeah, welcome to Nigeria. But the actual teaching was thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable, yeah. and the people were absolutely wonderful. Yes. Absolutely wonderful. Really hospitable. Really kind. Um, very different from the way we lived. Sure. Uh, very soon came to understand how uh, individuals in West African culture, there is really no such thing, that everybody is really tied into a community or in, group or, or family, sort of, yeah. family, yeah. and family is 
very, very strong. And mm -hmm. Family extends out to be clan and town, right. uh, but they're all your family. Right. You're as closely related to those people as so as we would be to our brothers and sisters. I've never been, but you hear stories of people always referring to their brother, to their brother. or their sister That's or right. something. They just have our to concept of brother and sister is completely different, yeah. is it? Yeah. And and there there's no sense of being an individual there. Right. You're always part of a larger group. Very personal. Oh yeah, it'll have to be. Um, so if you think back to those, those two, almost three years, what were some of the challenges, uh, rewarding experiences? Challenges. I I was. Um, Placed in a school which yeah, had had a UNESCO science building okay. kind of dropped out of the sky with um, an amazing amount of equipment that was still all in packing cases. So it was up to me to get this set up in the form of a, of a bacterial a biology lab and a chemistry lab. And um, even getting the furniture built was, <laughs> was a challenge, let alone yes. getting the gas hooked up. Oh, and and uh, I'm sure that, you know, UNESCO had a stock list, but I didn't expect to find like 30 jars, you know, of pharmaceutical grade cyanide. I, and what do you do? What do you do with, with that? that? And how do you make sure that it doesn't get into the wrong exactly. hands? No, exactly. 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 So uh, things like that. Um, transportation was kind of a, a challenge because we had motorcycles and we lived way far in the bush on, on uh, very bumpy laterite roads, which were almost but not quite impassable in the rainy season. So that was a big challenge. Um, our, uh, we, we, we never, it never occurred to me going there that we would have to have a domestic stock, but um, the principal made it very clear that we, would, we needed to have a cook and, a, and somebody to take care of us. And um, she had already hired a, a guy mm -hmm. who happened to be the son of the local juju doctor, juju priest. Uh, I think he was there to keep an eye on what we were doing and to keep an eye on the school. And that ended very badly. It was, yeah, it was a very, uh, a very difficult and very tricky situation to get out of having this guy as our keeper. So that was, there was a lot of challenges around that. Health was a challenge. Um, I actually got amoebic dysentery and amoebic hepatitis as a result of this guy who was supposedly looking after it, not boiling our water. So uh, a stint at a, at a local hospital, and, and that was very interesting. local hospital, as you described the conditions. Well, I was in there. This was in Umuahia, which was quite a good-sized town. And there were, I think, I had three CUSO friends who were on staff there. One doctor, one nurse, and one teacher who worked outside. So I had lots of visitors and lots of people to sort of keep an eye on me. Um, but hospitals in Nigeria, there's, there's no kitchen staff. There's no laundry staff. Um, your relatives bring you food and keep your bedding clean and uh, camp outside and make sure that everything is... So without those without the, other network, friends yeah. in the hospital, I would have really been 
and it was yeah really and it was a very um, I, I don't know if there are better treatments now but the treatment was uh, heavy duty um, heavy metals treatment which meant that you couldn't get out of bed you had to sit in your bed for three weeks so that was I tough. very tough, but it, fascinating to see yeah. what else was going on around me. <laughs> and I was good time in. to study and learn. Oh yes, yeah. And the, the the languages of West Africa are all tonal languages, so very difficult for Westerners to to learn. Um, and I didn't. I had a, a tutor on the school compound, but she herself was a native speaker, and she didn't realize that it was a total language. <laughs> she, would say, uh, she would say something that I was supposed to repeat, and I would repeat it, but I would put a little questioning inflection on the end of the sentence, and she would shake her head, and she'd say it again, and I would say it again with the, with the inflection. I went out for months like this, until finally I went to a mission um, language school, where they were used to dealing with, with Europeans, with people not knowing the, the, and then I was fine, then suddenly, oh, yeah, so you just, yeah, and conversations always start up high and go down, and uh, an angry or upset con uh, conversation always starts way up high, so that you've got lots of room to say everything that you want to say before you get down yeah. to the bottom. Hopefully you didn't have too many of those. No, no. But it was very, very useful to speak even a small amount. Right. You know, very useful. So yeah, communication on a daily basis. Obviously your well, students no, would understand. Well, not with my students, because that, and with the other teachers it would always be in English. In English, but day-to-day yeah. uh, -day living and stuff. Um, in, in the morning. Yeah. getting taxis to go where we wanted to go um, because the, the motorcycles were no use a lot of, lot of time. Yeah. Organized rides. Yes. Well, taxis were always a possibility, even bicycle taxis we used to take. So after your time in Nigeria, mm -hmm. what did you do? came back to Canada? I traveled for six months, okay. mostly in Africa. Um, I came home and I had decided I would do public health nutrition because it's, it seemed to me that that was a really viable so way to, kind of, to be kind of in many different places and work. No, no, no. I, um, what, what however, when I got here, and I had to under, to go back as an undergraduate in, in home ec before I could go on to this School of Public Health in Toronto or, or in Boston, I fell into, I think, really what you'd call a depression because of coming back. It's difficult and to it's reintegrate. Very difficult, but very difficult. And looking at the underbelly of your own society, so and uh, that many of your friends have not had the experience and have no idea, and frankly, not a lot of interest in what you've been doing for three years, which you think has been so world-shaking and so important. So I decided it would be a mistake to uproot and go anywhere else again. And so um, instead, uh, I got married. Yeah. Not a good reason to get married. <laughs> and uh, I married a geologist and went up north and cooked in mining camps for a few years. Mm -hmm. Then I had a family, and then eventually went back to school to become a teacher. And so you've been a teacher here in Vancouver, in BC? In, in North Vancouver, yeah, for 10 years, in uh, doing learning assistance in French immersion. 
so my French came in useful eventually. And since then, active as a volunteer in uh, the, the affordable housing movement in Vancouver. Okay. Two years. Um, and I like uh, your experiences with CUSO. Have, have like you the, um, continued any, any involvement in development overseas, international development overseas, or locally here? Um, Not as a volunteer, only as, as a, a donating as a person. Here, development. Not not per se, no. no, no. In many ways, I, mean, I keep in touch happens. with, with a, so a couple I, of people I, that I met up north who are part of the native community, and I keep in touch with various people who are doing other things. But, right. but so my own process, work uh, of your application had to earn so a living. For sure, for sure. <laughs> Does it yeah. give you a sense of um, some, some, some of the things Thinking back, sort of to wrap it all up, what did you take away from your experience? Nigeria. What do you think very seriously, you gave to, really to the people of Nigeria and then that you came in contact heard nothing with? nothing for over three months. And I found that quite difficult emotionally to, especially when you're I think to stop most of us, after, after the honeymoon period of the first six months, mm -hmm. realized that we had an enormous amount to learn. Right. So that's and difficult, but we've got that sorted uh, out because I'm here today. So what I, I brought back, um, I think, was more Did my learnings. Sure. Uh, um, an acknowledgement of my application. That how, had a telephone how very so strong and vibrant family life is in West Africa. Yeah. Which is and how very diminished is it is so in our part of the world. Mm -hmm. I and how said I was extremely frustrated. And wonderfully well they take care of children. And it's been a real, really sad experience for me to see what, what, are, what happens what do you to children in our country? Do you have a sense of what? Uh, what I contributed, I suppose, uh, I certainly helped a relatively privileged number of well, young women to finish their high school education right. and uh, to become more confident so. and yeah. vibrant we citizens of their country. Other people, especially in other languages. When I left, it was the beginning of the offer of the Civil War. Yeah, so the and infrastructure that was in place has been sadly, sadly diminished. Um, and the people that I knew that I could track down through the Red Cross survived and did well, as far as I know. But I broke my connection there, and I'm, I'm from an experience. It's good to come to a thing like this because it, it makes me realize that I could pick that up again. Um, what else? Well, I, I, in the part of Nigeria that I was in, the Wherever we went, people hailed us. Nwanye Beke, Dr. Beke was the first white man to be in that part of the country in the 1930s. And there were many, 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 many people who had never seen a white person before. So we were definitely novelties and definitely curiosities. And uh, to some extent, I think our independence and... Trying to start something breaking of rules yeah. was uh, distressing to, to some of the older women, but quite 
and helpful I've to some of the younger right. uh, intensely yeah. working like this. Showed them the new, sort of the yes. new possibilities yes. in the new world. Yes. Certainly for some who grows up in the city. To finish up, the last question for you, Catherine. But, if um, there's something you would like to oh, say to new, younger generation of QSOVSO uh, volunteers, what would it be? Oh, the change Go for is it. difficult. Do it. <laughs> everybody's experience will be slightly different, and everybody's experience will be the same in many ways. Thank you very much, Catherine. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for your service, and enjoy the rest of the 50th anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. It's phenomenal. It really is.